This is Under Understood. Hey, everyone. Hello, Adrian. Hey. Hi. We got an email from a listener with a question. Yes. <laughs> that's my favorite thing. This is George. Hello. How's your day going so far? Uh, I had a negative COVID test this morning, so I'm honestly very, very happy. Uh, George sent us an email with the subject line, nerdiest question ever, question mark? On this show? It's our kind of subject line. Yeah, I doubt it, George, but go ahead. (laughs) So ever since I was a kid, I was interested in numbers and systems and nerdy things like that. And growing up, we all had an area code and uh, never thought much about it. It seemed as though those numbers were just random three digits. Yeah. I guess we should probably clarify for our international listeners that what we're talking about is in phone numbers in the U.S. Yes, phone numbers in the U.S. There's this, uh, for a long time, it was thought of as like your phone number was seven digits. And before the seven digits, there was a three-digit area code before them. And none of them are actually 555 like our TV and movies would lead you to believe. Right. Good note. (laughs) I'm just saying, if I, you know, if I watched a lot of American movies and TV, I would think that every phone Everyone number started five five five. Seemed as though those numbers were just random three digits, until you learn well, the the middle one's always a zero or a one, or at least it used to be. Even up until the '90s, every area code had a zero or a one in the middle, but we just ended up with too many phone numbers, and now there is not really a consistent system like that anymore. That tracks with like my memory of old landline numbers before pre-cell phone era. But they all seemed random and it never given much thought to it until one day I came across a website that actually explained the somewhat interesting and, and uh, sensible reasons why area codes have the numbers they do. What is this website? It's uh, L-I-N-C-M-A-D, linkmad.com. Okay. That's this massive, like... A lot of information about area codes and splits and all these different things about how the process works. And how did you end up on linkmad.com? I cannot, I cannot give you a good answer for that. I feel like I can relate to this. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Now, would you all go to linkmad.com? L-I-N-C-M-A-D.com. So link like Lincoln. Link dot Lake Lincoln, Mad Lake Madison. Oh, wow. It's <laughs> a good looking site. Love it. Oh, I can't wait to click one of these links and see it turn purple. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it turned orange. I think the visitor counter is broken. Do I have to turn off my, uh, my ad blocker? No, it says right above that received over a million visits from 1997 until the counter broke. Yeah. Oh, I see. <laughs> so it was broken from 1997 until 2006. And now we're at almost 4 million. It says telephone area codes and splits, which I assume the split is the middle part of the number. Like the no, I bet I bet this means when a when an area code when a geographic area for an area code splits into mm-hmm. two. John's got it. Oh. oh, all right, back to George. Zero is uh, in the old system before things changed. Zero meant that there was only one area code in a state, and a one meant that there were multiple area codes in a state. And so it was always a zero or a one in the middle. This is not how it is anymore, but when it was first introduced, when area codes were first defined, the original rule was that states that had just one area code for the whole state would have a zero in the middle, and states that had more than one area code would have a one in the middle of all those area codes. So Mm. Oregon is 503, 
all of Idaho is 702, but California, which has three different area codes, is 916, 415, and 213. But then from there, the, the first and third digits corresponded in general to how densely populated an area was, with the idea that rotary dial back in the 40s when these things were started, a two took very little time, where a nine took a long time to dial. Are you following along with this, the rotary telephone? Yes. So a rotary phone, I never had one of these operationally. I think maybe my grandmother did. But it is that phone with the big circle on the front with all of the numbers arranged in the circle. And you stick your finger on the number and then you pull it to the right until it hits uh, like a little stopper. And then you let it, you let the dial roll back to home to its resting state. And then you stick your finger in the next number in the phone number you're trying to call and you pull it all the way to the right. And then you let it roll back into place. And you continue like that until you've completed dialing the number and it takes forever, especially if the number, if, if the numbers in the in the phone number you're calling are higher. Like if you were calling nine 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 nine, it would just it would take you literally forever. So they felt it made sense to assign the lower digits to the more densely populated areas. So New York got two one two and LA got two one three and Chicago three one two. From there, and then as the as things got less popular, they got higher numbers, and so so just just let me stop you for a second to yeah, clarify. Uh, the thinking is that the more populous areas, you want those numbers to be easier to dial because more people will be dialing them. Is that I think basically so. that's right? right? Okay, that's, that's that's my impression of it. Sure, they didn't want anyone to have to work too hard. Well, well, spinning it's, it's, that rotary dial. <laughs> a lot more people are going to be calling 212 than 812. And so I might as well save a couple seconds here and there. <laughs> and then I realized that uh, Boston is 617. And that doesn't make any sense. Why would Boston get stuck with 617? Right. Those are relatively high digits. That's a lot of number. That's that's what, 13 pulls plus the one in the middle, right? That's a lot of, that's a lot of <laughs> dialing, right? Uh-huh. For a big, big city like Boston, why would they get stuck with 617? You know, Boston got screwed somehow. So not only did Boston get high numbers, but another section of the state got low numbers. Western Massachusetts, which I mean, has a couple big cities, but compared to Boston, is not a very populated area, it has 413, which feels right for Boston, right? I mean, you have Philadelphia, I think it's like 215, I think, I don't know. But yeah, you'd think it, would, it feels like that should be Boston. It feels like those, those zones were switched for some reason. Any theories? Any theories? Uh, well, there's two possible reasons. Maybe there was some sort of uh, political thing. Maybe somebody in Boston liked the number 67. I don't know. Um, maybe there's maybe uh, maybe 617 was too close, too similar to something. Um, I don't know. So he says he doesn't know if it was maybe a political thing, but was this even a political decision to begin with? Who was determining this? Was it the telecoms? It was the telecom. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it was AT&T came up with this system in the 1940s. And so AT&T isn't asking uh, local government officials what they want the number to be, presumably. That wouldn't make sense. Right. But maybe some AT&T executive knows the mayor of Boston. They're out for beers. 
<laughs> it sounds like the our caller, our emailer, uh, thinks this was based on like population and the number of inbound calls coming to a city, right? So like on the whole, you're saving rotary uh, spins to everyone in the system by making the most called places the lowest numbers. Is it possible that Boston had a higher rate of people calling inside of Boston and therefore wouldn't need to dial the the area code? Oh, right. Do you follow what I'm saying? Like, is it possible that people from outside of Boston weren't calling Boston very much, even though it was pretty populous? Nobody was calling Boston. Yeah, that, I like yeah. that, that seems pretty possible, just knowing Boston. <laughs> rude. <laughs> well, but, okay, speaking of people being rude to Boston, this is another theory. So... <laughs> You're saying maybe it was some kind of favor to someone in Boston, like, oh, they like these numbers. But, it could have been to screw them. Right. Is it some kind of slight to Boston, like, screw Boston, let's give them a high number, so they got really got to crank those rotary phones. <laughs> we'll show them. So what would satisfy you? What answers are you looking for? I would simply like to know how it was decided that those area code zones or whatever got swapped. Be interested to know why Boston got screwed with 617 and why Western Mass got the nicer 413. Where I would like to start is with the owner of linkmad.com. His name is Link Madison, L I N C. Could be short for Lincoln, not sure. I was going to say his name is like two presidents. <laughs> <laughs> I could see a parent going for that. After the break, Adrian gets connected to the network. Hey listeners, it's John. The podcast you're listening to, Under Understood, is produced completely independently by the four of us in our spare time. And that's possible because of listeners like you who become patrons on Patreon. It's really easy and it supports the show. $5 a month gets you access to our private Discord server where you can hang out with other fans of the show. And you get access to our weekly bonus podcast, which we call Over Understood. It's kind of a looser show. We talk about things that maybe weren't uh, exactly a fit for Under Understood, but we really like talking about anyway. It's kind of looser. Sometimes we talk about internet mysteries that actually were solved. So a couple weeks ago, we talked about a mystery from 2014 about a YouTube channel called Web Driver Torso, which was posting mysterious bleeps and blobs onto the internet. And uh, for a period of around nine months, nobody knew what it meant. If you want to hear about that and all kinds of strange ephemera from around the world, you can hear it on Over Understood. We do that show even when the main show is on hiatus and uh, $5 a month on Patreon is what gets you access to it. So if you want to sign up, go to patreon.com slash underunderstood. And if you're already a patron, thank you so much. I'm back. Hey. Hello. So fast. I have so much to tell you. Mm. I do want to flag one thing before we start. This is going to be what we like to affectionately call an oops all dudes episode. Mm -hmm. <laughs> oh no. Literally every person I will mention identifies as a man and there are 11 in total and <laughs> oh they God. all have common Anglo-Protestant sounding names. <laughs> so just be ready to handle all that. 
I'm just going to do my part by muting my mic for yeah, the rest yeah, of the session. Yeah, I'll be silent for the rest of this. <laughs> yeah. Billy and John, you can just sit this one out. Okay. No, I'm kidding. We need you. <laughs> so first, I talked to Lincoln Madison, the proprietor of LinkMad.com. You got him. I got him. I got Link. Nice. I'm Lincoln Madison, two presidents for the price of one. <laughs> wow. How did you get into area codes? Um, childhood obsession, actually. Um, I was always very much fascinated by telephones. In fact, one of the family stories is that when I was about four years old, I took apart the telephone while my mother was talking on it. <laughs> did she not notice? Uh, I, I don't know. Um, I, I don't remember it directly myself, but I, I suspect that I probably just took the casing off of the, the workings. Mm. I, I don't think I got much further than that. I also would literally, you know, when, when we were on a road trip and, you know, in the motel room, I, I would pull the phone book out of the the drawer and just go through it and look at the patterns of phone numbers. So Link is still very actively maintaining his website, which is where he tracks area code splits. That's where an area code gets broken up into multiple area codes and overlays where new area codes are introduced on top of the same geographical area as an existing area code. He also started cataloging international area codes. For example, in the African country of Cote d'Ivoire, formerly known as Ivory Coast, every single phone number in the country will change on January 31st. So that happened January 31st, 2021. I talked to Link before that. But Cote d'Ivoire added essentially two digits to the front of every number. This is sort of parallel to what happened with North America, adding three-digit area codes to the front of every number. Hmm. If you remember, Link's site is where George got his information about bigger cities being assigned numbers that were shorter to dial on a rotary phone. So I asked him about this anomaly with Boston and Western Massachusetts, where Boston, the big city, got the longer 617, and rural Western Mass, which had a much smaller population, got the shorter 413. Do you have any theories about how that might have happened? I don't know, really. Um, although, you know, if you look it's basically at the same level as Buffalo and Rochester, which were 716. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it wasn't a horribly disadvantaged number, but it was lower down the list than, than you would have expected. So, unfortunately, Link didn't really know much beyond what was already on his website. So, I tried to sort of move up the chain of custody and get to the primary source. Like, how did Link know this about? rotary dials and dial times. Do you recall where this tidbit about the rotary dial came from? Like how you found that out? Uh, well, um, back when I was in grad school in, in the 80s and 90s, there was a Usenet news group. Um, that's already dating me a bit. But anyway, there was a news group that was talking about telecom issues in general, and quite a bit of the traffic was specifically about numbering. Do you remember anything more specific about who said that on Usenet? I, I don't remember specifically, but by the time I was made aware of that, it, it was common knowledge, at least within the telephone numbering obsessive community. But 
your source for this information is? It's mostly apocryphal. Yeah. <laughs> honestly. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. So if if there were another theory that would explain it, then you would you'd be open to it. Yes. <laughs> mm. This fact that big cities got shorter area codes that were easier to dial on a rotary phone, it's popped up in a lot of places. It's in Atlas Obscura. I found it in a blog post on 99% Invisible. It was in an Atlantic story. But now I'm starting to wonder if all of these places are just getting their information from Link, and his sourcing <laughs> actually seems like it might be a little shaky. Uh, oh no, Link didn't have the link. Uh, is there anyone else you think I should talk to about this, about um, either area codes in general or the Boston 617 thing or the rotary dial thing? Oh, gosh. Um, most of the people that I would point you to are, are sadly no longer with us um, or at least no longer have their websites. So I, I can't think of any off the top of my head. I'm just curious, was one of them Mark J. Cuccia? Yes. He he made me look like a, a hobbyist <laughs> in terms of obsession with area codes. <laughs> wow. wow. So Mark J. Cuccia was somebody I came across while Googling. He used to post to this email group called the Telecom Digest, which started on Usenet. He was very into the mechanics of the telephone system, and area codes were one of his favorite themes, so he wrote about it a lot. He died in 2014, so I couldn't ask him directly, but I can read from his posts in the Telecom Digest email archive. We might need some basic background. So AT&T, which was the monopoly controller of the telephone system, assigned 86 area codes to the U.S. and Canada in October 1947. This was called the North American Numbering Plan. Mark wrote an article in 1997 commemorating the 50-year anniversary of this original North American Numbering Plan, and he says that, quote, short dial-pull area codes were assigned to, quote, populated areas, which would have more incoming traffic than less populated areas. But he doesn't cite a source for the claim. And in another essay in 2003, he actually mentions the Boston thing specifically, and he calls it an anomaly and hypothesizes that, quote, I think it was an error in printing that became embedded. Wait, are you saying that somebody like read the wrong area code and assigned it to Boston? That's basically what I think he's saying. That's funny. But again, he has no evidence. I read every article that Mark J. Kuchia references in the Telecom Digest. <laughs> Articles in the Bell Labs record the Bell System Technical Journal, the Bell Telephone Magazine, and there's nothing about the speed of dial pulls on a rotary phone in relation to how area codes were assigned. I called the AT&T corporate archives and spoke to their historian, and he was unable to cite a primary source for this off the top of his head. And he couldn't look it up because the AT&T archives are closed due to COVID. But he, he was familiar with it? He was familiar with the dial speed theory, yes. Okay. And he, he accepted it. So the Telecom Digest listserv, the one where Mark was posting and where Link may have gotten this theory in the first place, is still active. How long has it been around? Oh my gosh. Um, good question. Let me see if it says. 1981. Oh, so they were active when the AT&T monopoly was broken up by the government. Yes. Oh, it must have been 
rowdy in there. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> and it got a little rowdy uh, when I posted on it, too. Oh. Uh-oh. <laughs> so I sent out an email to the Telecom Digest with the subject line 1947 area codes, and it started what I would call a mild flame war. <laughs> oh, no. Wow. So at the time of this recording, all of the emails in this thread, including the people who are replying directly to me, is 61 emails in my inbox. <laughs> so I, I want to do a little excerpt from this exchange, and I'm going to need some help here. So I want you all to play some of these parts, okay? So Billy, you're going to be Carl. Okay. Uh, Regina, mm-hmm. could you be Neil, please? Sure. And John, you're Andy, okay? Sure. Does everyone see this this script here? Yes. 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 All right. So um, please, Carl, go ahead. All right. This is a blind table read, so please be forgiving. The theory that the first area codes were assigned by the speed of dialing because of the time it takes for a rotary dial to return to rest is only grounded in some popular telephone mythology, but not in reality and facts. I don't know where this mythology originated, but it is nonsense. IMHO. So Carl says that area codes were assigned in, quote, pseudo-random order. And he's really irked that the media continues to perpetuate this idea that it was done by population. It is very hard to prove non-facts or disprove conspiracy theories such as the myth of dial clicks. Of course, there are no sources against this because the idea is simply false. But Neil is not having it. I respectfully disagree. There may be no official reference, but the area codes themselves are clearly organized so that the lowest number of clicks codes are assigned to the geographic areas with the highest population density. Really? That's pretty sad. Principles like that are a surefire indication that something is grossly amiss and that you can't find a better explanation. I hope nobody produces vaccines by those methods. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't read that ahead of time. <laughs> so I was just reading that in real time and I was like, wow. Okay. How Ooh. many posts does Carl have on this Usenet group? Oh, a lot. I mean, he was at least 25% of the email thread. <laughs> so I'm not loving the tone here, but Carl goes on to be kind of persuasive. There is one giant problem with the premise that larger populations got shorter area codes. So if you remember, states with one area code had a zero in the middle, like 201 for the state of New Jersey. And then states that had multiple area codes, bigger states, had a one in the middle. So like 413 and 617 in Massachusetts. If you're only looking at area codes that have a one in the middle, you kind of do see this pattern where New York is getting 212, smaller places are getting higher numbers. But if you include states, suddenly the pattern breaks. 201, which is New Jersey, has the lowest possible number of clicks for a one area code state. But that's still 13 clicks. And New Jersey was really big. It had a population of 4.1 million people in 1940, which was big. And the next largest population for states that had a single area code was North Carolina, which got 704. 704 is 21 clicks. Then there's Georgia. The entire state of Georgia got 404. That's 18 clicks. So if you include Georgia, North Carolina, New Jersey, these big states, the pattern falls apart. Wait, wait, so if there isn't a correlation between the population and the number of clicks, does this mean the entire premise of Georgia's question is incorrect? 
Um, maybe, kind of. So this is kind of what Carl was saying about it being pseudo-random. It's starting to look that way, yeah. Carl is making the point that if you look at the whole picture, the pattern doesn't really exist. Hmm. I'm kind of leaning toward what Carl is saying at this point. I realize, actually, this pattern doesn't seem to be very strong. But then Andy chimes in. Oh, that's me. Greetings, all. Having bided my time before taking part in this discussion, I don't know who wrote the assertion shown above, but he or she is most sorely mistaken, for it is not mythology at all. Andy cites an actual document. A Bell Labs report entitled North American Numbering Plan, The First 30 Years, Historical Review of Numbering Plan Area, parentheses NPA, Code Assignments, File 40978. This is dated 12 December 1975, and the author is R.J. Kievers. Andy transcribed a paragraph of this report. It says that AT&T recognized that big cities would get lots of incoming call volume. Quote, the time needed to dial 212 is less than half the time needed to dial 909, end quote. So it's clearly saying that shorter codes means it takes less time to place a call, thereby freeing up the capacity of the phone network. And then the document goes on to say, that's why New York got 212, Los Angeles got 213, and Chicago got 312. So then Andy's like, mic drop. Have a nice day now. Okay, so that's the end of the play based on this email thread. But Carl and a few other people went on for a while. Basically, Carl is not convinced. But unfortunately, he did not respond to multiple requests for an interview. I did email Andy to see if there was anything else in that document, but he told me he transcribed everything useful. Wow. For for people so obsessed with telephones. <laughs> I know they didn't want to talk. Yeah, none of these people want to speak on one. Still, I was excited because this feels like the first solid evidence of this dial speed theory. I've looked through so many articles published by AT&T and AT&T engineers at this point, and I couldn't find anything specific to this. And this is the first official AT&T documentation that says, yes, for large populations, we wanted the dial codes to be shorter. Where did Andy find it? Andy told me that uh, it was sent to him by someone who's dead. Okay. <laughs> Before they died. <laughs> not, not recently, right? <laughs> this is kind of a theme here with this episode. While this email action was going down, I was also working a few other angles. And I found an article from the New York Times in 1991 that cited a primary source for the dial speed theory. Bell Communications Research also called Bellcore. Nice. That's a great name for something. It's also the kind of Christmas music I'm into. <laughs> <laughs> Bellcore was one of the entities created after the breakup of AT&T's monopoly in the 80s, and it was focused on research and development. Today, it's called iConnective. Really rolls off the tongue. Truly. So I reached out to iConnective and said, hey, do you have any archival documentation from when you were Belcor? Did you have some 
primary sources for this dial speed thing, and they put me in touch with Gary Richnacher. Hello? Hi, is this Gary? Yeah, this is Gary. Gary started at Bell Labs in 1977, and later he ended up at Bellcore. So I had come across this explanation of the more populous areas getting the quicker to dial numbers. And mm-hmm. I've been trying to find some AT&T documentation or just contemporary documentation of this. Mm. Do you remember where that explanation came from or how you came across it? Well, I came across it uh, because, um, you know, it, it's kind of like, uh, you know, like these tales, right? You know, handed down mm-hmm. um, from Bob Kievers. Recognize that name? Yes. Is this where Andy got his? Yes. R.J. Kievers was the author of the report that Andy found. Huh. Mm. Wait, R.J. Kievers? Yep, Robert. Robert. So Bob Kievers was also friends with Mark J. Cuccia. If you remember Mark, he was the area code hobbyist who wrote about the dial speed theory on the Telecom Digest listserv in the 90s. (sighs) So I am now pretty confident that Bob whether accurate or not, is the source of the dial speed theory. Huh. Bob worked at AT&T, authored this report, friends with Mark J. Cuccia, who wrote on the Telecom Digest listserv. That's where Link Madison picked it up. Link Madison put it on his website. Now everybody cites Link Madison's website. Chain of custody. All, all roads lead back to Bob. All roads lead to Bob. So I asked Gary... Bob's protege, about the Boston 617 Western Mass 413 thing. Uh, There could have been political pressure for some unknown reason, like some Mm. set of digits was really important to somebody because it had significance. But my recollection of any conversation I had with Bob Kievers, they didn't really have any vanity discussions uh, prior to that. Um, Okay. You know, and every all the vanity stuff came later. Like everybody wants a two one two number, right? Yep. Or everybody wants the Beverly Hills uh, office code. Mm-hmm. But that was done long before anybody knew what those were. It's funny. I don't know anyone who you could ask about that. <laughs> I think they're pretty much six feet under at this point. So Gary promised that he would look through some documentation he had from Belcor to see if there was anything written down about the dial speed theory. And then he suggested I talk to Fred Gechter, who started at AT&T in 1962 and later became the director of numbering strategies at Belcor. So I'm like, okay, if anyone would know, it would be this guy. Okay, wait, 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 wait. Director of numbering strategies? Like there's a whole department and yet we still don't have an answer? Oh, yeah, for sure. There was the original number North American numbering plan in 1947, but they drastically underestimated how many area codes they would need. They were literally running out of numbers. There were more people than phone numbers. So, so his job was to make to more numbers. Adding more numbering. Oh wow. Huh. Yeah, I guess now that I think about it, you would hope there would be at least one person thinking about this full right. time. Yeah. Lots of numbering strategy to be strategized. Anyway, Fred was director of numbering strategies at Belcor, so I figured if anybody would know, it had to be this guy. I emailed Fred. I asked him about Boston, getting 617, while Western Mass got 413, and he got back to me right away. Quote, 
interesting question. Hmm? Indeed. For which I have no answer. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> no. Often wondered about it myself. What? Even when in the NANP administrator's role, I could not find the documented answer. There was a lot of supposition and inference around the question, but even those who were in the know about the numbering plan before my time had no definitive answer. (laughs) So this was pretty discouraging. Basically, nobody knows and everybody is dead. (laughs) (laughs) That would be the ultimate story of humanity. (laughs) The AT&T archive is closed for the foreseeable future due to covid I've read everything about area code numbering that I could find from AT&T. I also skimmed through copies of Telephone Topics, which was the in-house magazine for the New England Telephone Company. I also found a book called The History of the Telephone in Western Massachusetts, which I was really excited about because it seemed pretty spot on, but nothing about this. Huh. I was feeling really stuck, so I started working on a kind of intense, maybe unhinged project in Google Spreadsheets. Now that's our sweet spot. (laughs) I downloaded country-level census data for 1940 and 1950. And then I figured out what area code those counties would have been in in 1947. And then I compared the population and number of rotary clicks for all area codes. (laughs) So here is a chart showing the population for 1940 versus the length of dialing. Oh, we see it. There's a scatter plot. Mm-hmm. Um, hmm. So it looks like the higher the population, uh, roughly higher the population, the fewer number of dial clicks it requires. Right. But it's pretty scattery. Like, it's not... It's not, a pretty weak... Yeah. It's a pretty weak correlation. Without the trend line on here, I don't think I would see a correlation on this graph. Yeah. You remember how Gary, the former Belcor person I interviewed, said he was going to look through some of his old documents? Mm-hmm. He sent me an email with an attachment. Is this the is this the piece that's going to break this case wide open? Well, it turned out to be a full copy of the document that Andy quoted from in his email. That was the only primary source that I was able to find for the idea that population was used to determine area codes. Andy had told me there was nothing else interesting in that document, but that's not true. It had a map in it. Actually, multiple maps. One of these maps is an earlier version of the North American numbering plan. It says it is from, quote, early 1947, which would have been maybe six months before the final plan was released. And it is totally different. Here's the map. Mm. And here is the final plan they went with. Hmm. Oh, these are very different from each other. Yeah. Yeah. I'm pretty sure nobody other than New York and New Jersey has the same code between these two versions, which were months apart. Wow. New Hampshire. Oh, yeah, New Hampshire's the same too, but everything else looks different. So AT&T appears to have had a complete plan for area codes months before they were finalized and then changed it almost 100%. Wow. Aha. Okay. Wait, so where's Massachusetts? So we know that eastern Massachusetts, Boston, ended up getting 617, and western Massachusetts ended up getting 413. But in the original plan, 
neither of them had either of those. <laughs> they were 516 for Western Massachusetts and 515 for Boston. Totally different. And with fewer polls. Both with fewer polls, both with about the same number of polls. According to Gary, AT&T would have sent this tentative plan, the one with 516 and 515 for Massachusetts, out to the regional telecoms to get feedback. And then those companies probably wrote back with all of their suggestions, complaints, etc. And then in the next iteration, Boston became 617 and Western Mass became 413. And also pretty much all of the other area codes across this map changed. So there were a lot of considerations in these area code assignments that were documented. There were existing traffic routes. There were different centers had different equipment. Every iteration of the network had to be backwards compatible. And the company also wanted to make things easy for operators to remember. They also said they wanted to avoid using patterns that would be difficult to maintain as the network grew. Oh, so we'll just start random and let it keep being random? Yeah, what does that mean? Yeah. Well, I think it's more like the end result of all of these conflicting priorities was that it does look a lot like randomness with pockets of patterns. Right. I don't have any definitive proof of this, but correlation with population in order to minimize rotary spins seems like it might have been a factor that was taken into consideration but it's clear that it was not a high priority. In other words, what happened to Boston isn't really that much of an anomaly. Mm. What seems more likely is that AT&T had to balance a lot of factors when giving out numbering assignments, and this is how it shook out. And this myth caught on just because that one guy wrote it up? <laughs> I think so. Huh. It's time to deliver the news to George. So we spoke, I think, in November. Has it been that long? Wow. I told George that the original premise turned out to be less rigid than we realized. He agreed that it was odd. He pointed out that there are some other cities. Mm -hmm. I told him about the 1975 memo by Bob Kievers, which was the only document I could find that mentions this at all. Finding some original source documentation for even this. Right, right. And finally, I explained that the correlation between population and area code dial speed kind of falls apart when you look at all the area codes together. Like, it really only holds true for New York and Chicago, and then it starts to go in different directions. It seems like one factor out of many. And this one population thing is is like a sticky fact that people like liked and glommed onto. And I think it took on a little bit, it grew maybe a little bit larger than it loomed in the beginning, if that makes sense. No, it does. And especially if you look at it and you start at the list, well, two, one, two, like I said before, is this. And, and then mm -hmm. you stop paying attention. Um, it, it gets messier once you get past the first three or four codes, then that makes sense. When I envision the people doing this, I envision uh, a bunch of a uh, bunch of white guys with glasses and short cropped hair uh, <laughs> doing things perfectly with the slide rules, whatever they used back then, mm -hmm. and that they wouldn't they 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 had to do it perfectly with 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 regard to to populate. They probably had a, some sort of a spreadsheet or whatever. But there's something 
in and of itself satisfying that they said, eh, we'll get the further. Yeah, the rest of them, whatever, it doesn't, doesn't matter that much. <laughs> and there's something, there's something actually very, very pleasant about that, that maybe these people back then just didn't care as much as we do nowadays. And people stick bumper stickers in the back of their cars with their area code, you know, like I'm, I'm a one of the, I'm a mm-hmm. 305 down in Miami. People take such pride in these codes. And I think the people who made these codes might find it kind of funny that, well, you know, two one two one to New York, but from then we kind of got lazy and, and whatever. And um, it's really fascinating. Wow, how cool! So George is a professor, and he likes to play around with statistics. I sent him my spreadsheet, and he came back even more convinced that there was no correlation between population and area code assignment. He wrote back and said, "For me, at least, these analyses are a slam dunk case for your hypothesis." Beyond the first three area codes, it's clear that population had very little to do with how area codes were chosen. Wow. Under Understood is made by Regina DeLay, Adrian Jeffries, John Lagomarsino, and me, Billy Disney. We are an independent podcast. If you like the show, maybe think about supporting us on Patreon. If you do, you'll get access to our bonus show, Over Understood, and you can come chat with us in our Discord server. Which is very organized now, by the way. And ruled with an iron fist. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, shout out to our mods. If you have a question or a comment, or you happen to have a copy of the 1947 letter to AT&T's general traffic members with subject line numbering plan area arrangements, I'm still looking for that one, send us an email at hello at underunderstood.com. Thanks for listening.